you do think everyone else is working harder. You know, there are people out there that, you know, are working through till three in the morning and then getting up at five in the morning and they're superheroes that, you know, meditate, then eat kale breakfast and go for a marathon run and then work all day and all night and then do the same thing again. And that, what the, the worst part about thinking that is the guilt that you get. You know, the guilt of, I've taken two hours off this afternoon to play with my kids. What are my competitors doing? You know, did they take time off? You know, are they working harder and longer than me? And so every time I sat down or I rested or I took time off, I felt guilt. The guilt then created anxiety because I wasn't doing what I thought I was doing. And then from that point on, once you're in that spiral, you can never relax. You can never take time off um, because it just adds more anxiety. Hello, listeners, and welcome along to the Mind to Lead podcast, the podcast where leaders are made. Whether you're a CEO, manager, teacher or parent, I believe everybody can be a leader. My mission is to help my listeners understand the skills, traits and mindset of what it takes to become an exceptional leader. I'm your host, Georgie Hubbard, business owner, career and mindset coach. So if you're ready to discover the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to another episode of the Mind to Lead podcast. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with an amazing entrepreneur, business owner, and founder of Benchon, Tim Wormsley. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. So Tim, for the audience and the listeners, can you just give them a little bit of a background into who you are and what's brought you here today? Okay, so uh, who I am in terms of where I've come from or yeah, background just on a, my just business? Yeah, a general overview. Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, I'm actually a retired army major. I left the army after 15 years um, and moved out into industry uh, as a director of strategy and business development. Um, and during that time out in industry, I saw a problem in, in how industry works, which was you know the peaks and troughs of industry. There's either too much work or not enough work. Um, and then uh, employees becoming sort of the, the victims of, of that, you know, where companies were letting go of people in the downturns and then spending bucket loads of money recruiting in the, in the peaks. Um, so, yeah, I came up with an idea, uh, which then became Benchon. Um, and then we, we ended up selling our house and, and went all in and I quit my job. And I guess that's the short version of why <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... You, you saw, obviously, by the sounds of things, you sort of almost scratched your own itch maybe a little bit, saw a bit of a problem, which I can ultimately completely agree with you. I think especially in the startup scene, you know, when you're scaling up, you might need certain people and then you get to a certain point, you're trying to find market fit and then you go, oh, actually, I don't know this skill set anymore. So mm. um, how did how does that idea sort of come about? Were you just sort of sat on the beach one day, when in the shower? Like, <laughs> what did you go through to kind of come up with the idea? So... It was a couple of events that happened within a two-week period that really just sort of turned the light bulb on. Mm. Um, so um, there was a situation where there were three engineers that had been trained up for a very specific contract. Um, they successfully completed the first year of the government contract. It was going to be for 10 years worth millions of dollars. Um, and then there was a change in government. So they had a delay on approving budgetar- uh, budgets for the departments. Mm. So they rang up and said, look, you know, we, we've got a, a budget hold, so we need to put this contract on hold for two months and then we'll start back up once we've got the money. Um, and, you know, the business couldn't afford to keep those people on the bench for two months paying them with no money coming in. So they had to put them on unpaid leave and 
and those staff had mortgages and kids and they sort of went, well, we can't just, you know, not get paid for two months. You know, we can't do that. So they went and got new jobs. And so when you when I looked at it, it was a complete lose-lose-lose situation. So like the not only did the employees lose their jobs and their ability to provide for their family, the company lost three valuable, you know, employees and the capability that they brought, not to mention the ability to, win, you know, win that contract. Uh, and then the government project was delayed by 18 months while they waited for another company to train up people to do it because no one had that capability. Um, and I was speaking to one of my mentors and I said, how is it possible that that situation can happen? And he went, mate, it's just industry. We have peaks and troughs. We hope to survive long enough through the troughs to get back to the peaks and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So just get used to it. And um, that didn't sit right with me because, you know, my time in the army, we had a red flag system where if a soldier tells you, oh, that's just the way it's always been done or, you know, that's just the way we do it, it, it was an immediate red flag that you had to then investigate, you know, because yeah. they're either trying to pull the wool over your eyes because they're being lazy or um, they don't understand why they're doing something, which is just as dangerous. So... I, it was mulling over in my head and I was trying to work out how to fix it. Um, and then I was two weeks later, I was sitting inside a, a large organisation sourcing department. One of their people slammed the phone down and said, the bloody government. You know, I told them six weeks ago they were going to need two engineers. They ignored me and said that they didn't need it. And now they've just rung and said, we've got a major emergency. We need two engineers by tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I went... Oh, that's right. And then he said, oh, I don't just have a bench of engineers just sitting here waiting for their phone call, you know, and that's when it clicked. And I was like, well, just two weeks ago, I could have told you where there were three engineers that you could have used, but I didn't know that you would have needed them. Mm -hmm. And then I went, I wonder how many other companies are out there doing that. So I did all my research and I found out, you know, the big end of town are screaming out that there's talent shortages and they can't find the people they need. The smaller end of town are struggling under the financial weight of keeping employees on while they wait for jobs. So if we could just match up that supply and demand whenever it was required, then it becomes a win-win-win rather than a lose-lose-lose. Um, and so that's – I was actually sitting – it was about 11 o'clock at night. I was writing a, a proposal for my work and it just sort of hit me and that night I wrote a business plan. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing and like such a massive problem that you're solving there. So wh- where's the business at now? How so how many years have you had it now for? We've been going four years. Wow, okay. I treat the first three years as our <laughs> education and pilot phase. <laughs> as they always are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, – yeah, we, we started off early on the first sort of uh, eight months of the business. I was just doing it as a side hustle. You know, it wasn't really going. And then it started to pick up faster than I could handle it. Mm-hmm. And I had an amazing boss at the time who was who was quite a good mentor for me. And um, even to his detriment, he said, look, you know, will you be able to forgive yourself if you don't give this 100% of your attention and it fails? Wow, you know, and question. I went, well, actually, no, I can't. And so I, I resigned much to his dismay, <laughs> he was like, wait, what, what do you mean That's you're resigning? I and I was like, but I'm listening to your advice. And he goes, you're yeah. supposed to go against my advice. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that's when I sold the house. Um, and I brought my wife, Katie, into the business, uh, because I needed her to help set it all up. Uh, and then, yeah, that was sort of the journey. And then throughout that period, we, we had to do a slight pivot in 2018. So we now develop enterprise software, um, to, to provide enterprises the visibility of talent both internal to their organisation as well as external. Um, and that was, a, that was a switch from we were focused on the SME market first, but the, the market, uh, I guess the market effects didn't work on a, just purely small business. Because if you look at it, even though every business has peaks and troughs, 
small business have all the oversupply and the big business has all the contracts. Yeah. So without, without bringing on enterprises, it was never going to work. So, um, yeah, we switched to enterprise products. We built those sort of um, last half of 2018, early 2019, and then we began selling them. Um, and as you know, the enterprises have a long sales cycle. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took a little time, probably 12 months or so to get the first big enterprise on. But we've now just, we've hit that that validation and ball rolling moment where enterprises are coming to us now and the sales cycle has, has switched from sort of 12 months down to about three months. And so we we feel like we're, we're now at that inflection point of, of the business where it's about to to move in the right direction. Amazing. What what a journey and what an incredible story. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to go back into because first and foremost, you you said that word side hustle. And Mm. I think that that's something that a a lot of people have. And what fears did you have? Because I mean, you said, you know, you sold your house. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. And I think there's so many people that would love to just go all in, in the, in, into their business or take that side hustle full time. Mm. But what did you actually do to go right now is the right time? What was the process of your thoughts there? Um, it was, it was, it was really tough because we had to do an investment round about two months into the business to get everything going. So that was with friends and family and, and a few other people I knew in industry. So I already had pressure on that they'd invested their money. So I had to make sure that it was going to work. But I, I think I was um, naive about how much the technology would do, you know, because when side hustle, like, hey, all I've got to do is build this platform and it'll just work and, yeah. you know, no worries. But I think everyone un- underestimates exactly how much work is required to get a business off the ground. Um, so throughout that period, um, you know, I realised that I needed to get Katie involved more because I didn't have the time to be able to do the admin and all that behind the scenes. So she was sort of doing that part-time and working full-time. And then, uh, yeah, then um, it got to the point where we had more clients on that I could handle. And that's when it was like, okay, we're either making this happen or we're not. And... That's why we sold the business and went all in. And I think we had to go all in. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't have just done it sort of one foot in, one foot out. And we needed to, to survive. You know, you need to survive for probably two years without any revenue. So yeah. the only option was to sell. Yeah. Which it's terrifying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, yeah. Katie and I were now 38. Yeah. Um, everything we've earned up until this point in our life is in this business. So yeah. if it fails, we're back yeah. at zero. Right, like, mm. and that's a terrifying thing going mm. into your forties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was terrifying, but um, I think the reason that it worked was because I had, and Katie and I talk about this all the time, but I had stakeholder buy-in. You know, Katie was involved; she was she was just as committed as I was, um, which means it wasn't me forcing this on her. Um, and because she had buy-in, we've we've embraced it and rolled with the punches. Yeah. So I'd I'd love for to know more about actually the the relationship there with you with you and Katie because you know I've worked with with my husband before and you know you do have your challenges in your relationships, you know they they are very important. So how what advice would you give um, you know entrepreneurs <coughs> that are starting their business and they're uh, they're you know they're working husband and wife team like what did you and Katie do to obviously keep your marriage still strong yeah. and grow the business. It was really hard. <laughs> so my suggestion is if you can get away with not doing it, then yeah. do that. Okay. Um, we had to, uh, through trial and error, just learn different coping strategies. And we had to be really mature and open in our communication about it of saying, okay, there are going to be times where we're going to want to tear each other's head off and how do we do this? So 
First was um, Katie actually insisted on the fact that I'm the only director of the company so that when it comes down to it, if I, if I have the final say in what happens. And that was for two reasons. One, that we don't then get into a stalemate where we have differing opinions and we can't mm -hmm. get to a decision. Um, and, and it made it easy for Katie because she was like, well, if you do something that makes you go to jail, then you're going to jail and I'm, <laughs> I'm staying home with the kids. So, yeah, so that was the first one and we set that up right from the start. But little things like um, the ability to recognise when I'm talking to you as husband and when I'm talking to you as CEO. Um, so we developed a hat system. Right. You know, so when we walk into a room, mm -hmm. you would say, okay, I've got my CEO hat on now and then I could talk and then it's like, okay, now I've got my husband hat on. Yeah. And <laughs> Katie, I think, abuses that to a point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll come in and go, I've got my CEO hat on and I'll, I'll get angry at her because of something she didn't do or mm. something that she messed up or whatever. And then mm. she'll go, yep, I've got my COO hat mm. on. Yep, thank you for that. I'll get that fixed. Don't worry, it'll be done by this afternoon. And then she goes, now my wife hat on. <laughs> my <laughs> boss, like I hate it. And I, I then have to put the husband hat on and go, oh, yeah, he must suck. You know, uh -huh. and I'm fuming, right? But, yeah, the, the hat system works quite okay. well. Okay, I love that. I think that's amazing advice and yeah. perhaps something I'll try as well. But ultimately, I think it all comes down to communication, right? You it know, really does. And, and I think as long as you communicate and as long as you, you know, I guess have conversations that aren't all business, mm. you know, and I think it, it, which is tough because when you're passionate about something, you you want to talk about it, you know? Well, and that's it. Well, we have to have a rule now that from, um, from the time the kids – from the time kids get home, we stop talking about bench on because our whole our whole world was bench on. Yeah. Our relationship was bench yeah. on, and you can imagine that um, you lose a lot of the the intimacy when everything's about work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had to switch that off. There's only certain times that we mm -hmm. can talk about. It. Now we suck at. <laughs> uh, you know sticking to that yeah. rule because yeah. when inspiration hits and you have an idea yeah. you want to talk about it at the yeah. time but generally we do well mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. um but you know what the one thing I miss the most is being able to come home and say hey honey how was your day yeah I know exactly how your day was <laughs> because you were sitting yeah. next to me the whole day yeah you know? yeah and that and that's tough trying yeah. to work out how do we talk about different things um because we're doing the same thing. We're yeah. always together. Yeah. But I guess it is also a blessing as well. And I guess it just sort of depends on which way you look at it. But, you know, a really, really interesting, yeah, way of looking at it. And I love the hat system, so I might definitely try that. So <laughs> you've mentioned, um, you know, sort of got a little bit into like routine there roughly of like how you switch off. So obviously now you're, you're growing your business, you know, you know where you sort of want to take it. How do you go about showing up every day as the best that you can be do you have any routines or habits that you feel have you know contributed to the level of success that you've already had in your life yeah um I had to come to those through again trial and error you know coming from a military background everything was regimented I knew exactly what I had to do and I knew if I wasn't there I'd get in trouble and then I switched to this which is no restrictions no routine I can do what I like the options are endless and that was really exciting for the first couple of months. And then you realize that it just messes with your head. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the one thing that I implemented was um, routines, setting routines again. Um, so I schedule everything from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I go to bed. And that includes things in my personal life so that I can block that time out and I know I have to be there. But I found that that one trick was the, the one thing that made everything else work. And actually, I, I do listen to a podcast called The One Thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the sort of thing that they talk about. What's that one thing that you can do that makes everything else easier or better? Um, and that's what I found it is. Now, again, it doesn't work all the time. But 
you know, uh, you schedule your wake-up times and you try and keep that consistent. And then your morning routine, you know, reading a book uh, in the mornings while you're having your coffee. Um, I never really got into meditation. I know a lot of leaders talk about meditation, but I just have never got into it. Um, I would, I guess I do in a sense. You would, I prefer to sit outside having a coffee and just sort of look out over the garden or whatever uh, and just think things through. But... Yeah, that didn't really work for me. But yeah, then then your workday is blocked out with all of your meetings. If it's not meetings, it's like, I'm going to be working on this proposal. And during that time, you block everything else out. You don't check your emails. You're not checking social media. You're not, you know, I mean, you, you take client phone calls when you have to, but you try very much to stick to that. Um, so then you feel like you're progressing throughout the day. And then I've got time with my kids scheduled so the second they get home they get sort of two hours where I'm just there being their dad and helping them with their homework and everything else we put them to bed and then we've then either got time scheduled for work if we need to catch up or then we call it couple time (laughs) (laughs) but really that's just me and Katie sitting on the couch watching a tv show or something um but Katie loves it when we're sitting there and my phone goes ding couple time and I go babe it's couple time you know she's (laughs) like oh I'm glad I'm glad you scheduled that in yeah (laughs) there's so many people listen to this going that doesn't sound very spontaneous you know that doesn't sound very sexy you know having it all mapped out like that but I I think that Ultimately, v, I, I'm with you. I, I've started this system now and it has changed my life because, you know, when you do work for yourself, it's so easy to get sidetracked mm. and you end up being busy for busy's busy sake. And you get to the end of the day and you go, what have I actually done today? What have I actually achieved? So about sort of six months ago, I got really strict on myself and started mapping out and chunking my days into sort of what was the key tasks need to get done. Mm. Um, but in terms of, I guess, like breaking it up, so... Do you find that you sort of do like more of your admin-based tasks in the evening or do you find you get more of your creative stuff done in the mornings? Like how do you sort of go about actually chunking it and breaking it down into sort of manageable pieces? Yeah, so I like to get – I like to feel like I've caught up in the morning. So mm-hmm. that's – the first thing I do is um, I check the news first mm-hmm. just to see what's happened in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll go through all my emails and respond to every email that I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then I'll do the, the checks through. I'll check the website. I'll check the social media. I'll check our Slack channel to make mm-hmm. sure that – because our coders uh, have been known to be up at 3 a.m. and asking questions. So I get on there and make sure I answer all those. And then at that point, I feel like I'm up to date and I can start. So that's normally from, you know, sort of 8 o'clock through to about 9.30. And then from there, that's when I start on the bigger tasks. And so after that catch-up period, the next thing I do is work on the biggest, most important, hardest task that I have. So I can get that out of the way first, which means that if I get that done by one, I've, I've, I've achieved for the day yeah. you know that big yeah. one task is off my list mm-hmm. and that's when you catch up then on your calls mm-hmm. and your your meetings and your mm-hmm. engagements and everything else mm-hmm. but I find if I don't get that sort of catch up in the morning then I always feel like I'm missing something or there's got to be something else hanging over my head so yeah I clear that out and then I'll do the big things and normally um, at night time that's when I'll do all of the you know the social media content or yeah. you know all that sort of extra stuff you have to yeah. do yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now you said there that that eight, that's what all starts around eight o'clock. So, are you an early riser? Do you like? Do you have any kind of like rituals that you do like when it comes to exercise? You, you said you're not a fan of meditation, but any yeah. any other things that you do to get yourself in the right headspace every day? We get up at either five thirty or six, mm-hmm. and that's normally dictated by what our kids have to do at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My son's in the swim team, mm-hmm. and and I hate the fact that he has to be in the pool at six fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. so we wake up at that time anyway. 
Um, Katie and I work 100% like as a tag team in the morning. Um, I make the school lunches and she packs their bags and we, you know, together we'll get them ready. And then they leave at sort of five to eight. So in that morning time, it's, it's just as much family time with the kids as it is, you know, just preparing for the day. You know, if I'm, if it's a run day, I'll go for a run in the morning if I can. And I'll try and take my kids with me if I can do that. Um, but I'm, I'm also not really good at sticking to my physical routine either. Yeah. You know, I'll do, I'll do a couple of good weeks and then I won't do anything for three or four weeks and then I'll come back to it. Yeah. But as long as I keep – it's still in there, it's still yeah. in the routine, I still try and do it every time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And that's the thing, if it's not scheduled, it doesn't get done, right? Yeah. You know, that, and that's the whole thing. I mean, how important – so, I mean, obviously it's called, you know, the mind to lead for a reason. So how, how, how important do you think it is to have the right mindset every day when you are – starting a business when you are you know um with your children you know with your wife you know how how important is it for you to get yourself in that right zone yeah if you like so so important Mm. like I think that's the thing being an entrepreneur in this day and age it's that's what I wasn't prepared for was the mind game right and it's constant it's daily like I've I can tell you even this week I've had, uh, what day is it, Wednesday. Um, Monday was a horrible day. I woke up and I was just in a in the wrong headspace. I wasn't productive Monday at all. Um, I sort of wrote that day off and then Tuesday I started and I, was in, I felt good in the morning and yeah. I was in the right headspace and that was a, a great day. Um, so it's still a daily thing that, that we go through. But, um, yeah, definitely the mindset uh, and making sure that you – you're doing everything you can to get yourself in a position to have the best mindset, but even then, it can still fail you, yeah. um, and it and it does ruins an entire day's work. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's, it's something that I don't think gets maybe discussed enough, especially in the entrepreneur world. And I think that there's this misconception that entrepreneurs, you know, we don't sleep. We, you know, we work twenty four seven. You know, it's hustle, hustle, hustle. Sleep when you're dead, and it's a little bit of this it's very much focused on the work and mm. you know there's a lot of people now getting burnt out suffering with anxiety and depression so have you ever dealt with that or come across anyone who has and how did you go about dealing with with that yeah there's so much to that and mm. um uh yeah so you do think like everyone else is working harder you know there are people out there that you know are working through till three in the morning and then getting up at five in the morning and they're superheroes that you know meditate then eat kale breakfast and <laughs> go for a marathon run and yeah. then work all day and all night and then yeah. do the same thing again yeah. and that what the the worst part about thinking that is the guilt that you get mm. you know the guilt of yeah. I've taken two hours off this afternoon to play with my kids what are my competitors doing you know yeah. did they take time off you know, are they working harder and longer than me? And so every time I sat down or I rested or I took time off, I felt guilt. The guilt then created anxiety because I wasn't doing what I thought I was doing. And then from that point on, once you're in that spiral, you can never relax. You can never take time off um, because it just adds more anxiety to, to it. And then because you have anxiety while you're working, you're then not focused and you don't want to work. Yeah. It's just this real mm-hmm. entropic entropic spiral down you know and, it, and it's really really hard to get out of so first things first I had to learn one everyone else is not outperforming me you know mm-hmm. there are you, there are times you have to look after yourself and then two being easier on yourself to say you know what you do need some time off you do need some mm-hmm. downtime you're allowed to not think about work mm-hmm. you know for this Saturday mm-hmm. and that's what we do like every Saturday is my non-work day yeah um and so when I wake up in the morning on Saturday morning I just 
you clear the mind and you go, I'm not thinking about it, I'm not stressing. Even if the yesterday I was so anxious about something, I can wipe it for a day and at least have one day of, mm-hmm. of not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, it's really hard to do. Yeah. And it still messes with you, but it's something you've got to co- try and continually yeah. practice. Yeah. Is there any, um, any books or any particular practices that you have found particularly helpful or anything you've read that, you know, you sort of thought really resonate with you and that you've put into practice that have helped? Uh, Sort of. I mean, I, looking through quotes and things to find mm. the things that suit you is ju- mm. just as much fraught with danger as it, yeah. as, as it helps. You know, you mm-hmm. can find one thing that, that tells you, yep, you're on the right track and you're being productive. And then the next one is something about, you know, making sure you get shit done and you're you know, being productive as you can. And you're just like, oh, it's just all like you never there's, there's both sides constantly. Um, I've had to, you know, I got a, a productivity coach. Uh, or accountability coach that helped out a lot because I I then had a plan in place and I could deal with anxiety through a structured process, yeah. which I found worked really really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do read I read books in the morning um, from other entrepreneurs. So I'm reading Richard Branson's book at the moment. Amazing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's you know uh, it's not like I'm looking at it for tips and tricks on what I'm mm-hmm. going to do that day, but just mm-hmm. hearing their stories motivates mm-hmm. me for the day and yeah. and helps me get into the right mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when it comes to anxiety. It is, it is a constant battle. And so mm. the, the trick that I developed, well, maybe it wasn't a trick that I developed. I just recognised something that made it easier was um, my fail-safe is having a, an element of, I'll call it internal arrogance, right? Not external arrogance. External arrogance is no one likes, you know, but I'm talking about that, that voice inside you that says, you know what, you're right. Even when everybody is telling you you're wrong and, and everything is showing you that it's not going the way you want, Having that one voice there is your fail-safe to make sure that even when you're, you know, curled up in the ground on the floor, there's that one voice that goes, no, God damn it, you're right. Like, they're just not getting it yet. Get up and find a way. And if you've got that voice there, then you will always get back up. And I can tell you over the four years, I've had, I've had three rock-bottom periods and each time it was only that voice that got me up to, to get started again mm-hmm. because it wouldn't let me quit. Like yeah. I was like, no, you're onto something. Yeah. Like you just got to stick with it, get yeah. up. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. It's more, it's more than self-confidence. It's more than self-belief because that stuff can change very, very quickly. Yeah. But internal arrogance doesn't waver. You mm. know, it, it, it stays there and it's stuck on you and you mm. go, no, I can't quit this because mm. I know I'm right. Yeah. I have to find a way. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, confidence, you know, you can have a meeting and your confidence can get rocked. And mm. if that was all you were holding on to, then that's mm. your quickest way to quit. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I, really interesting you're reading Richard Branson's book I haven't read that book yet but I really want to because in all of his interviews what strikes me about Richard Branson is he has fun yeah (laughs) I think he doesn't take life too seriously and and I was watching an interview with him the other day and he he was just making me laugh you know he just he he was being interviewed by Goldman Sachs and there's all these like business people there and the guy asked, he said, what keeps you up at night? And he goes, well, hopefully my wife. And I was just <laughs> crying. I was like, this is a man, this is a multi-billionaire, you, know, you know, with all of these people, all of these people relying on him. And he's laughing, he's having fun. I just think, you know, that's what life's about. It's about enjoying the journey. And, you know, I think we, we all get so serious sometimes. And, you know, we can all be our own worst critics and get in our own heads. But ultimately, just have fun, just enjoy it. You're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But it's the bad days that make the good days great. 
You yeah. know, I think it's it is, you know, if we can all have that mindset, then, you know, we, we will find happiness and enjoy and things. But I love what you said then. Thank you for being so honest and sharing that, because I think that so many people, you know, will look up to somebody like yourself and be like, you know, Tim's amazing. He's got his business. And just just to hear that, you know, it's it's an ongoing, you know, day to day your journey for you, yeah. you know, and, and you're still finding the way you don't have all the answers. And I think that honesty is, yeah, is what people need to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it really. is. And it's, it's the same as work-life balance. You know, they mm. say, oh, you need to achieve work-life balance. Yeah. It's not, it's a, it's a constant juggling act yeah. depending on the day and everything else. And I think mm. that's the same with your mental health when you're mm. a business owner, you just need to Absolutely. fail and try again. Do you know what I heard the other day? I can't remember who said this, so apologies who to say this, but they said, don't don't say the word juggle, say the word blend. It's blending. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it's right. blending work and life, yeah. not juggling, because if you juggle, some things are going to fall. So I love that. It's like I'm blending my work in my life. That's, that's what right. I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I love to ask this question to everyone I get on. Um, so everyone thinks of success differently, but I'd love to know how do you define success? Yeah, there's so many different levels of it, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I think if I if I broke it down to the one thing that I'm looking for as a success is um, knowing that the the idea of bench on has proliferated to the point where it's used mm-hmm. and it's and it's benefiting you know people. It's benefiting people's jobs and giving them job stability. It's benefiting companies and allowing them to grow, and therefore it's benefiting the economy. Mm-hmm. But then that's how do you measure that, you know? Like how do you measure that success? Um, and so that's the tough one. But that's that's really like that's what drives it. When people say, oh, you know, if you got an acquisition offer now, would you take it? And it goes, well, it depends on the company. What are they going to do with it, you know? Um, I, I agree that there, there will become a point where I'm not the right person to take this to the, to the heights that it needs to be. So I'm expecting that. But... Um, yeah, I, that's, that's sort of, that's my top success. Um, and then if I look down on it, you can go, okay, well, you know, do I, do I work every day successfully and, and lead my team and give them everything that they can do while at the same time still meaning that my kids see me every day and I still can be a father and, and, and that. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's different levels of success in each part yeah, of your life. Of um, but for me at the moment, um, making sure bench on gets out there and is used mm-hmm. and people understand it. That's, mm-hmm. that's what, what I'm aiming for. Mm-hmm. It's that whole sort of contribution and feel like you're making a difference, isn't it? I yeah. think that that's kind of what I'm hearing from, from what you just said then. It's like the, you know, that you want to know your product's doing good in the world. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that's, that's it, isn't it? And it's really interesting how people think success will be when I'm a millionaire and I live in this house and I got this car and it's like, well, actually, it's you can have all those things and still not feel fulfilled and happy and right you know, i know heaps of people with millions of dollars that aren't happy right yeah you know and i think it's i think you know it's interesting when we get to the end you know it's like we we regret what we didn't do not what we did do you mm. know so i i think your journey and whatever that you've just said then it's like you know just 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 go for it and and i guess like what advice would you give to people who are listening to this now and they're you're inspired by your story and they they want to go for it like what would you say like would be the where do they start in terms of getting going yeah uh where you start is you go and talk to as many people who have done this before and get all of their stories you know i talked about before the inner arrogance trait Mm -hmm. you know which which is the one thing that keeps entrepreneurs going it's also the one thing that makes you sit there and go yeah but that won't happen to me you know i'm going to be a millionaire in in a Mm -hmm. year's time because my idea is so good you know, and that's the one thing that makes you go into this in, as a naive person, not understanding exactly what's entailed. Like mm-hmm. I remember someone saying to me, 
you know, you're it's going you're going to have you know your ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. Mm. One day will be horrible, the next mm. day will be amazing, and the next day could be horrible again. Mm. Um, and I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, but that won't be me. I'm better than that. Yeah, you know. And then it sure as hell happened. You know, many, many, many times. And Katie and I are still learning how hard it is to keep this going and and the work that's got to be put in. So don't underestimate it. And I don't say that as a warning. Like it's very fulfilling and it's a great thing to do. But just make sure you know what you're getting into and that you have that stakeholder buy-in. So your family is on board with your decision and they know exactly what's going to come. And I think if you've got that and you're aware of what's going to happen, then you're already set up for success. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? It's like people think entrepreneurship's become quite sexy hasn't it run yeah. my own business and you know work for myself and it's all ping pong tables and hoodies you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it's 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 actually quite opposite it's it can be lonely you know it can be very stressful and you do need to have the right support network around you so mm. you know i think that that's a really really powerful message um and i guess look finally um you know what what impact do you want to have on the world <laughs> Yeah, well, I hope that it's not just bench on. Like, I hope there's more to come. Um, But I just want to be able to, you know, I think everyone has their own unique perspective and their own unique experiences. And if you hit on something that is is such a powerful idea that you know will have an effect, then, okay, it's your responsibility to get that out there. And that's going to be my contribution this time. And hopefully there will be more in the future. But I think if you have a good idea, you can see that it can work and you have the skills to implement it, then it's your responsibility to do it. So that's that then becomes your impact on the world. Amazing. Yeah. Tim, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, some incredible takeaways. So I really hope that our listeners got a lot out of this. And um, yeah, I hope to work with you again in the future. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.